you know, I had this when I was coaching for, for years, this was definitely kind of a theory, but we've been able to, to, to prove it on the Whoop platform is that, you know, what you're doing from a training perspective does not uh, correlate with next day recovery. Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. Today, I'm talking to Kristen Holmes, the Vice President of Performance Science at Whoop, which was kind enough to provide financial support for this episode. Before joining Whoop, Kristen was a three-time All-American and a two-time Big Ten Athlete of the Year at the University of Iowa, competing in both field hockey and basketball. She was a seven-year member of the USA national field hockey team and also one of the most successful coaches in Ivy League history, having won 12 league titles in 13 seasons and a national championship at Princeton University. Kristen's work uses data to better understand individual and team performance across tactical, sports, and medical verticals. It's a lot. In today's episode, we dive deep on the role sleep plays in athletic performance, along with some amazing and actionable tips to get the most out of your rest. Whether your goals are building strength, increasing mental focus, or just increasing quality of life in the long run. Also, I want to take a second to say we're incredibly thankful that you listen to this podcast. So if you haven't already, be sure to leave a rating and review of the Barbend podcast in your app of choice. Now let's get to it. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest from our friends at Whoop, and that is Kristen Holmes. Kristen, thanks so much for joining us. I want to dive right into it. Sleep and recovery. What is the main thing you think the general athletic or active population gets wrong with sleep? Well, probably two things. Uh, Generally speaking, I think folks don't necessarily give in to or understand when their natural pressure for sleep actually is. And that's generally because we expose ourselves to a bunch of artificial light at night. Um, We, you know, watch TV, we kind of push past like when we naturally feel sleepy. So we kind of, we don't necessarily work with all the cues that exist um, internally and externally, the environmental cues that kind of help us know when we need to go to sleep. So I think we, um, that's a, a, I think a, I think a foundational level, that's probably one of the the first things that, you know, we want to try to uh, stabilize or fix is just that sleep wake timing and make it as, you know, in line with what your op, like what your biological preference really is. But to kind of do that, you have to, to really think about your environment. You have to think about when you're having caffeine. You have to make sure that you're not, um, you know, having sleep uh, naps during the day, I think, too, is, is important. Like later on in the day, like past two o'clock, because uh, that can uh, really uh, influence your pressure for sleep. Um, so I think, you know, regulating sleep wake time is, is probably one of the first things that we, we need to kind of get right if we want to uh, really enhance and accelerate our, our recovery. Um, and, and that's, I think, too, just getting that right that has a cascade effect across you know, our brain, our gut, our hormones, 
you know, it affects all the other clocks in our body. So, uh, yeah, so I'd say that's like the, the number one thing to focus on is getting your sleep wake timing right. One thing I know I struggle with as an active person and talking to especially strength athletes and at Barb and we cover a lot of strength sports. We we have listeners from all over the athletic realm, but a lot yeah. of a lot of lifters listen to this podcast and yeah. we lifters are really, really good at having really bad sleep schedules. It could be training at night, close to bedtime. It could be taking a ton of high caffeine pre-workout around those evening training times. Sleep hygiene is something I personally struggled with. I know it's something that a lot of people in the strength training community struggle with. What kind of structure do you kind of personally recommend or practice around sleep hygiene and preparing yourself for sleep in, you know, the, the two, three hours before bedtime? Yeah. Uh, so I think there's a few things that are really important. And, and I, you know, one of the uh, athletes that we we work with or ha- have worked with in the past, uh, he said this best, I think. Uh, he's a professional basketball player. He says, you know, preparing for sleep begins the moment you wake up. So it's it's not necessarily uh, just the, the two to three hours before bed, but it's a lot of the behaviors throughout the day that accumulate to kind of help you get an optimal night's rest or, or not. So I think there's a few things to think about that are, are really core. And then I can kind of lead into maybe just a couple hours before bed, but, um, yeah, I mean, working out later in the day, uh, is, is, you know, you're just going to feel more alert and awake. So the closer you work out to bed, it could be a little bit more difficult to kind of come down. So I think that's certainly a consideration, um, as, as you, as you mentioned, um, and then certainly caffeine after, you know, two o'clock is, is probably a bad idea um, because that's going to um, obviously make you feel it, it's, it, it could stay in the system for up to seven, eight, nine hours, you know, depending on how quickly you metabolize caffeine. So um, that's going to definitely prevent you from um, feeling sleepy, right? So, so caffeine timing is really important. Um, the other piece uh, is, is just is protein consumption, really like a lot of Protein that's difficult to digest can um, can certainly influence your ability to recover. Um, it gets you into a parasympathetic state, which might sound good in the sense that you know parasympathetic state is uh, you, in order to digest food, you have to be in a parasympathetic state, right? Uh, that's when digestion occurs. But um, if you're asking your system to digest huge amounts of protein, then you're diverting resources that could otherwise go toward recovery and regeneration. So just that's an important consideration too, is just the the timing, um, you know, just being aware of how much protein you can actually metabolize and, and use uh, is, is, is kind of important to note. And that's going to obviously vary depending on your, your, your weight and your, your size and, and what your goals are. But, um, but I think that's an important consideration and then kind of rewinding even further, I would say just really uh, managing uh, the stress rest throughout the day is, is another uh, huge in, influencer in terms of how well we're able to, to sleep at, at night. Um, the more stress we accumulate, the more negative stress we accumulate without moments of, of rest, um, the harder it is going to be to uh, go to bed, to fall asleep, and then it will lead to a kind of a more fragmented type of sleep. So like your consolidated sleep will, you won't, your sleep won't be quite as consolidated. It'll be more fragmented, which obviously isn't helpful for recovering and, you know, regeneration, muscle repair, all that 
I want to talk through some of these factors one by one because you said a lot of yeah. really interesting things already, and I kind of wanted to dive in. The first sure. is something very near and dear to my heart, maybe too near and dear to my heart, which is caffeine consumption. And maybe it's kind of the conventional wisdom is wrong. I'd always heard, well, don't drink caffeine after 5 p.m. And I don't really know where that number came from. It's just something I heard, and I've heard other people in – uh, active communities, people who are athletes who are working out a lot say, you know, after 5 p.m., no caffeine. You mentioned 2 p.m. Let's talk about how long caffeine tends to affect your ability to get rest or even fall asleep after you consume it. Yeah, well, everyone is going to be a little bit different depending on, you know, how quickly you metabolize caffeine. But I would say, you know, rule of thumb, like it can impact you for up to seven hours after you consume it. So um, again, you know, body weight, uh, you know, all, all of that is going to be important. Um, but yeah, how quickly you metabolize caffeine is another huge influencer. You mentioned naps as well. Now having naps later in the day yeah. could impact that your, your, your night's rest naps are something that I know in, in listening to the whoop podcast, which, uh, yeah. which you've done an awesome job at, I guess, I guess, guest hosting, um, but also yeah. guesting on you, you talk about naps can also be kind of uh, a way to supercharge your system and a way to, to yeah. really improve recovery. So let's talk about nap timing, especially when it comes to people who are very active working out a lot and maybe using a nap to recover, you know, after training or something like that. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, incredible, um, recovery amplifier. There's, there's no question about it. Um, timing again is, is really important. I, I would say generally, if you're meeting your sleep need, um, and you're not training excessively, you should not feel sleepy during the day. So that's always kind of a good litmus test. If you're feeling sleepy during the day, you're probably not getting enough, uh, sleep at night. So that's something to kind of revisit and, and rethink. Um, but certainly if you're, if you're doing, you know, a ton of heavy lifting, maybe you're doing, a Let's say you're doing a cardio session in the morning and you're doing a heavy, heavy weight session at, at night, uh, a, a nap, you know, midday could be really, really helpful just to kind of recharge, reset. Um, so generally speaking, you know, if you kind of have a pretty normal, you know, I would say seven hours after you wake is generally when you're going to start to feel a little sleepy. If you maybe haven't met your sleep need or you're in a patch of, you're in a, uh, you know, a training block where you're doing, you know, pretty heavy volume, uh, and, and high intensity, uh, a nap can be a, a massive, uh, recovery booster and energy booster. You know, generally speaking, you're not going to want to go past 90 minutes. Um, cause you'll probably feel a little lethargic or groggy. Uh, you know, I think 30 minutes is, is probably optimal. Um, and I, and I think just paying attention to, you know, sleep debt generally, like you don't want to accumulate a lot of sleep debt because you, you kind of never get back biological, like your lost biological sleep. So like nighttime sleep. So, um, you know, I think that's something to be aware of too, is just keeping your sleep debt down. Um, are you getting a, a, the sleep that you need at night? And then, um, yeah. And then just being, uh, careful about naps in the sense that you don't want it to interfere with your ability to get consolidated sleep at night. What about folks who might have trouble napping but are, are looking to potentially incorporate it into their routine? You mentioned seven or eight hours after waking is a time when we might start to feel a little tired if we're not getting that optimal rest at night. That might yeah. be around the time when people are looking for a nap or thinking about a nap. Yeah. Um, you know, For people who might not be good nappers, they might just not fall asleep super quickly and they yeah. might not be able to kind of reach that restful state quickly. What are, what are some tips or, or things that you've experienced when it comes to kind of better preparing your body and, and getting better at just being able to grab those shorter intervals of rest? Yeah. I mean, a lot of the same, a lot of the principles that apply for a good night's sleep apply for napping as well. So, you know, a cold, dark room is, is a great place to start. 
Um, just like you would at night. Uh, you know, I think a good pre-bed routine involves, um, you know, maybe a hot shower, uh, you know, that vasodilation, like in order to fall asleep, your core body temperature needs to drop. So, and it sounds counterintuitive, but a hot shower actually pushes all the blood to the extremities. So that, that process of vasodilation is, is actually what drops your core temperature and, and can kind of help make you feel really mellow and relaxed. So, you know, I know that, you know, a shower in the middle of the day is, is not uh, always possible. Um, I think some mindful breathing, you know, just breathing, relaxing, you know, some putting on music that's super relaxing uh, can be, can be, re- can be really uh, powerful just to kind of get you in that mindset. I think too, like after lunch, you know, is the time, especially if you're taking in protein, protein again is going to make you sleepy. And, um, you want to put yourself in a parasympathetic state in order to kind of optimally, uh, digest your, your protein. So, uh, a nap after lunch is, you know, you take a cue from the Europeans. Um, there's a reason why they do it, you know? Um, but yeah, that's, that's, I think probably an optimal time. I think the other piece too, if you're considering napping, I know we love, our morning coffee. But, um, you know, if you, if you want to, if you're doing two sessions a day, um, you know, maybe skip, skip the morning caffeine, uh, and then have some, if you are decent at falling asleep, you can have a little, you know, espresso bef- uh, before you're, before you lay down to sleep. And then that espresso will kind of wake you up in 30 minutes or so. And, and you wake up feeling pretty refreshed. So we call it, you know, the nappuccino. I was going to ask about the coffee nap. That's something that I've heard it, heard it yeah. called before. I was going to ask about your thoughts on, is that a real it's, thing? Yeah. You know, Dr. Dr. Amy Bender, uh, she's a, a Canadian scientist, uh, does a lot of great work around this, but I think her, her advice is, is always, you know, if you, if you can't, if you're not a good napper and you can't fall asleep, it's probably not worth it. Um, because it's just, uh, by the time you actually start to maybe like, if it's going to take you, 20 minutes to fall asleep, then it's not worth it. Right. Um, because the, the caffeine's gonna like kick in. So, um, you know, if, if you have the ability to really just like conk out and fall asleep, then it, it can be a great strategy, uh, and, and definitely provide you like a ton of energy when you wake up and, um, counter, counter affect any of the inertia or the, you know, the grogginess that could happen, um, at the, you know, when you wake up after, after nap, but, but yeah, I think just, you know, understanding like what you're, you know, what, what, works for you and what doesn't and, and just making sure that you're smart about, um, about how you go about it. Let's talk a little bit more about nutrient timing. Cause you bring up the, the fact that protein takes a lot of energy, energy to, to digest. I know a lot of athletes who kind of swear off high fat foods around training times because it can be, give them digestive yeah. distress or be a little bit difficult to break down. So they're going to go for a lot of like simple carbohydrates and a lot yeah. of easier to digest proteins, whey protein, obviously being a very popular one. Yeah. What are some other, um, factors that you think, um, are important when, looking at nutrient timing and rest. So say you're someone who really likes that bedtime snack for an example, yeah. for example, you know, yeah. what are some foods type of foods or, or blends of macro and micronutrients that might not might basically make sleep easier or at least not inhibit sleep as much as yeah. like a heavy protein meal. Yeah. It's a, it's a great question. I mean, casein protein is, is awesome. It's like super easy to digest. So, I mean, I always, I'm a huge fan of cottage cheese our tactical athletes on the platform, like they do a little, uh, we do a little, um, we, we actually have some cool data around this, but we had the guys do, uh, every night, uh, pre-bed, they do, uh, like a half a cup, quarter cup of cottage cheese, uh, a little, little bit of honey, uh, uh, serotonin, uh, sorry, ser- um, uh, raspberries, walnuts, uh, and 
And, and yeah, and that was like their kind of pre-sleep cocktail. And what it has in there is the, the you know, the, the liver, I'm oh, sorry, the um, honey, which is awesome, right? It goes right to the liver and kind of helps you feel satiated. And uh, and then you've got the casein protein, which, you know, again, easy to digest. You get a little hit of protein um, and also make you feel satiated. And then same with the, the walnuts. Um, walnuts and, and raspberries ha- are, have a ton of serotonin, which is actually a precursor to melatonin, which is the chemical that um, uh, helps us make, make, make us feel sleepy. Right. So, uh, that little prompt, um, helps kind of the release of, of, um, uh, of serotonin helps the release of melatonin, uh, which is going to help the, you know, you feel sleepy, but, um, we definitely saw a sleep onset. So your ability to kind of fall asleep, uh, how, how long it takes you to fall asleep. We saw that decrease, um, with this little intervention and we saw less fragmented, uh, sleep in the front end. So guys were able to actually get into slave sleep, um, uh, we're able to stay in, in, in deeper stages of sleep a little bit longer in the, in the front end of their sleep. So it's kind of a cool little, uh, little study we did. How, how did you come up with that particular food combination? Because it, it sounds like it works and it, there's a lot of interesting science behind it. It also sounds yeah. pretty delicious. Actually. I might try that before bed tonight. You absolutely should try it. Um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's delicious. It's just like the perfect little sleep cocktail, natural sleep cocktail. How, how big of a, uh, how big of a portion are we, are we talking here? Yeah. I mean like, you know, quarter cup, half cup of cottage cheese, I think is plenty. Um, yeah. And, and I just think being, but just being really smart about, about the, the type of protein, you know, um, close to bed, I think is, is really important. Um, again, you want all the resources going toward recovery and regeneration. And, you know, if you're having to, I, I just know, and this is largely anecdotal and, and I should say, I am certainly not a nutritionist, but, um, but what, what we see on the platform, you know, if you were to have a huge steak, meal, uh, pretty close to bed next day, HRV is going to be, is going to be pretty low. Um, and, and I think that, you know, how, what we've theorized is that, you know, again, you're diverting a lot of the resources that would otherwise go to recovery and regeneration toward, you know, just having to digest this big gold piece of steak. So, um, so just being really smart about, I think the, the, the quality and the content and the, the timing is, is important. What are you seeing, what is, what are you seeing on the whoop platform or uh, in regard to recovery, uh, when it comes to hydration around sleep? Because, you know, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm someone who I get, I tend to get really thirsty at night. So I'll kind of try and drink a lot of water. But at the same time, if you drink too much water before you go to bed, you're not going to stay asleep because you're going to have to get up yeah. and go use the bathroom, not to get too crass with it, but that's just kind of what happens. But you know, yeah. You want to, you, we, as athletes, I think sometimes we want to just feel like we're always hydrated because we hear that that improves recovery. What have you all learned regarding hydration around bedtime? Yeah, which water generally is like so, so important, but I think the, how to, how how to think about hydration is you should be drinking all day long, right? If we're kind of, uh, waiting to get a bulk of our water in prior to bed, that's yeah, to your point, it's probably not a great strategy because you're going to be waking up, um, which is going to be interrupting your sleep, which you know, for some folks, it's hard to get back to sleep after they get up. So, um, yeah, so I think timing, you know, drinking water throughout the day is, is absolutely, is really important. I, I would say getting up one time per night shouldn't necessarily, is not going to influence, you know, your, your sleep architecture in a meaningful way. Uh, but I think getting up more than, more than once, you're probably, yeah, drinking too much water before bed. So I, w- I would try to, you know, time, time the water. Um, so, you know, you're only getting up once, once per night. One thing that 
we've been asked at at Barbend, and frankly, I didn't have a good answer personally. Now, fortunately, we work with a lot of really smart writers who do have good answers to things like this. It comes down to, look, I know I'm about to come up on a period of life. It could be a week. It could be a few months. This is something we get a lot from uh, young and new parents, especially. Like, I'm about to come up on a period where my sleep is going to be very interrupted. I think my sleep quality is going to go downhill. I I might just be just getting less sleep, and I know that's going to happen just because life happens. Yeah. How might we as athletes look to be smarter about our training when we are coming up on those intervals? It could be due to travel. It could be due to a new child. It could be yeah. due to any number of factors. Yeah. 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 I mean, I've been, you know, I've, I have a couple, a couple kids. I travel a lot. Um, you know, I've hard training blocks, so I, I can kind of relate to all those scenarios. I was a caregiver at, at one point, you know, when my grandma was really sick. So I've definitely had periods of my life personally where, um, you know, sleep has been a challenge. And I think too, the professional athletes we work with, uh, you know, tons of travel. I think one of the, the, the great ways to think about it is, is, is we well, just have to be really strategic, right? You have to plan, <laughs> um, you know, anything you're trying to, to be good at anything you're trying to fit in, you need to create a schedule around. So, um, really looking at your day and, and thinking about, okay, when is my time for sleep? Um, and this is, you know, one of our MLB teams on the platform, this is exactly how they think about it. Okay. This is a schedule, you know, how many hours of the day and can we sleep? And when are those periods of time and, and what's optimal? And I, and I think strategically, that's kind of how to, how to think about it is, is really map it out. If you're a new parent, um, you know, working with your, your partner, uh, you know, to, to make sure that you're, you're getting at least a block of five hours, you know, so that might be, you know, bid goes down at, at 9 uh, PM wakes up at one o'clock, two o'clock, uh, you know, nurse the baby, uh, put the baby down, um, and then, you know, get that another next block of sleep, you know? So I think thinking about it in, in those terms and try to getting, you know, if you're a new parent, you know, getting your, your child on, on a schedule as best as possible is, is going to help. Um, I think bottles could be really, uh, you know, uh, helpful, um, and the partner can feed, but I think having both parents exhausted though is, is not a great strategy. So I think, you know, working together to make sure that, um, you're, you're kind of dividing and conquering. And, and if one person is, is going to be up during the night, let's say the mom is up, you know, during the night nursing. Um, and then during the day, you know, she can pump and then you can give her, you know, five, six hours where she gets some consolidated sleep. Um, that can be an an awesome strategy, uh, particularly in the, in the front end, you know, of, of the, of the day. Um, so I think there's a lot of ways to think about it, but I think getting, you know, a, a patch of time where you're, you're getting at least five hours in one block, uh, I think it is really important. I want to talk about screen time now. It's something that you, sorry, screen time. It almost sounded like I said scream time there for a second. Yeah. Um, it's something you talked about a little earlier in our, in our recording, reducing screen time or screen time is something that keeps us from maybe recognizing our natural, our body's natural signals that we are tired. It's something that we kind of use as a crutch to push past like, Oh, I'm tired, but I'm on TikTok right now. So I'm going to avoid going to sleep. Do you have a particular protocol that you personally like when it comes to reducing screen time? That could be everything from, you know, having, um, a cutoff before bed, like this many minutes or hours before bed, no screens all the way towards something like blue light blocking glasses, which I know is something that a lot of people um, use. I'm, I'm not personally sure how effective those are. So I'm curious as to your thoughts on, on those kind of things. Yeah, I, d- I definitely wear blue light blocking glasses, uh, dim the lights in my house. Uh, so I, I definitely think about light as a, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously a, 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 huge, has a huge impact on our, on our circadian rhythm. And 
uh, rhythms and, uh, and it's, I think it's an important cue to, to kind of regular sleep wake timing. So yeah, so I definitely think about that really intentionally as it relates to social media. I mean, I'm not on any platform at all. So I, I guess LinkedIn, but that I kind of use that for work, but, um, but other than that, yeah, I, I don't have Instagram. I don't have, uh, I have, I have nothing. So I don't, I don't, um, feel that pull, I guess that a lot of folks do and, and just kind of get into that zone where, you know, all of a sudden it's two hours later, it's, it's 1130 and you're scrolling through Instagram. So I don't, um, I kind of have eliminated that from, from my life, um, with the intent of just wanting to be really conscious of what I'm putting, uh, in front of my eyeballs and, and that I'm, I'm giving myself the best chance to, uh, you know, to be as, as, as present and as, as rested as, as possible. And, um, so that's kind of how I personally think about it. I, I think, I, I think for every person, you just kind of have to look inside and uh, be a little introspective and in, in terms of understanding, you know, what, what is this doing for me? Is this really upgrading? Is this my life? Is it, is it not? And, um, you know, being able to make those kind of choices, I, I think, you know, powering down an, an hour before you intend to sleep is probably a good, uh, you know, a, a, you know, if I were to just pinpoint, you know, I have to, if you, you know, said, Hey, give me a time, I'd say an hour, uh, then you can start kind of thinking more about, you know, bed and, um, do some meditation, uh, you know, really get yourself in a position where you're actually, you know, in a position to sleep. What kind of differences when it comes to type of activity, uh, are you seeing as far as, the importance of sleep and recovery for athletes. So like maybe an athlete who's training for power output, like a weightlifter, yeah. right? Or a power yeah, lifter yeah. versus an athlete who's training who might be a marathoner or a triathlete, yeah. right? Yeah. Are there different, are they getting different things out of sleep? And, are, and, and depending on the answer there, are there different strategies or different approaches to sleep that those two different types of athletes might need to take? You know, it's so interesting. And, and, you know, I had this when I was coaching for, for years, this was definitely kind of a theory, but we've been able to, to, to prove it on the Whoop platform is that, you know, what you're doing from a training perspective does not, uh, correlate with next day recovery. So it's really, it's the other, if you're training for two, three hours a day, you know, it's the other 21, 22 hours of the day that are actually most influential on next day recovery. So, you know, if you have, right, it's like, it's such a, it's such an interesting, um, sorry, I know we're not actually, this isn't videoed, but I see your expression. Right, right. I saw your, your response and I, that's why (laughs) we can see, we can see each other's faces. The, uh, the listeners can't, but just, just for context, listeners, (laughs) Kristen said that I just made one of these, like my face looked like one of those, huh? Emojis just like, huh? Okay. Uh, Yeah. So I, I think what's, what's, what's interesting is, is really not necessarily, King and oh, I did like a heavy weight session. I need to do, you know, X, Y, and Z. It's re- it's really about okay, what is my what's my goal for tomorrow in terms of my training, and then how do I need to think about my other twenty one hours or you know twenty two hours of the day to help me position myself to do what I need to do tomorrow. So whatever my physiological intent is tomorrow, I need to really think about my non workout load uh, and 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 be strategic uh, about that. So does that, does that make sense? So it's, it's less about like the content and, and of, of the training and more about the, the other hours of the day. So that, that has to do with, with sleep, but also you mentioned earlier on in our recording, other stressors, non-training stressors that could accumulate over the course of the day. 
Exactly. Just, you know, bouncing from one meeting to the next. And, you know, so if, if I have a, if I know I have a hard workout tomorrow, I'm just maybe a little bit more mindful about what I'm putting in my body. So, you know, I'm going to really focus on my hydration. I'm going to, you know, make sure I'm getting, you know, all the, all my macronutrients are, are in line, you know, it's kind of prep me for, for tomorrow's workout. Um, obviously getting my micronutrients, uh, you know, in a way that I need and obviously just trying to be as consistent across the board of that as, as possible. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I, I think, you know, being super mindful about, you know, how you're thinking about just recovery from a hydration, nutrition, and kind of rest stress cycling, uh, is really, is going to be core to kind of what, what you show up in ter- the, the capacity you show up with tomorrow. That that's fast. That's absolutely fascinating. And, and I'm, I'm really glad you, you framed it that way. Cause that's definitely going to change the way that I think about sleep and recovery in relation to training. Um, when it comes to strength gains in particular, people who are strength training, whether it's to build muscle, build power output, build strength, yeah. Tell, talk, walk us through what happens during sleep and during which phases of sleep. And we've actually worked with Whoop on Barbend for some real, with yeah. some really cool content about the different phases of sleep and, and how they impact strength gains. So for the lifters yeah. who are listening, different phases of sleep, what roles do those have in recovery when it comes to strength and, and muscle regeneration? Yeah. You know, a lot of your gains are going to happen in the front end of your sleep. That's when you get a, a bulk of your slow wave sleep. And this is the only time frame that you release human growth hormone. So if you have, uh, you know, if you're, uh, you know, front end, the front end of your sleep is, is fragmented, is, is not good. Uh, let's say you have alcohol, um, you'll see the, the front end of your sleep while you think you're, you're asleep just because you're sedated, right, from the alcohol, you're actually not getting into the deeper stages in a meaningful way. So um, you're not able to kind of get return on uh, all the work that you did uh, that day, right? Because the only time you can regenerate and, and kind of produce human growth hormone, which is going to build the muscle and, and help all the repair and the restoration, is during slow sleep. So, it, you know, getting into slow sleep is, is definitely a priority for athletes who are looking to build muscle and, um, and gain strength and, and just make fitness gains in general. That's all the physical restoration. So again, you know, making sure that you're positioning yourself to optimize slow wave sleep is, is, is critical. So you, you want to make sure that, you know, you're not getting into a position, obviously inflammation is important, right? You, you to, to degree, right? So you want to make sure that you're not doing things like having, uh, you know, NSAIDs like ibuprofen, for example, because that's going to disrupt your slow wave sleep, your ability to get into slow wave sleep. And we've, this is a lot of literature to support this and it, it actually can decrease it up to 15%. So just being, being smart about what you're putting in your body before bed, um, and really taking that pre-bed routine seriously. So you can capitalize on all the work that you've done during that day to, um, to break, to break down the muscles in order to kind of build it back up at night. All right. My final question is one I'm sure you and the team at Whoop gets quite a bit. How much sleep do we need? Is there a, is there a concise answer to that? Everyone needs something different. Um, it's based on, uh, you know, how hard you're working during the day, mentally and physically. Um, but everyone is going to be a little bit different. And, and a lot of it does depend on your uh, you know, your environment. Um, if your environment is not conducive to sleep, you might need to spend longer in bed in order to get uh, full regeneration. So the idea, if you want to spend less time in bed, regulate your sleep-wake timing, 
and have an amazing uh, environment that's conducive for sleep. And maybe the whoop cocktail with cottage cheese, walnuts, raspberries, and honey before bed too. The whoop cocktail uh, will go a long way. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, Christian, sure. thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I certainly learned quite a bit uh, regarding sleep recovery. And um, it, it's really fascinating to hear it from someone who I say eats, sleeps, and breathes this, haha, pun, in, I guess, pun intended, but who, who really has access to so much data when it comes to sleep and recovery, especially for athletes. So, where is the best place for folks to keep up to date with the work your team is? is doing in regard to yeah. uh, recovery, sleep, and as it pertains to uh, athletic performance? Yeah, our uh, the locker on our on whoop.com has, you know, any like new validation or case studies uh, will get posted there. Lots of educational content that goes in the locker. Um, I definitely on LinkedIn, uh, I'll, I'll post a ton of any, any new case studies, anything that I'm doing uh, with, with particular teams that I'm able to talk about. I'll always post results, uh, their outcomes. I definitely also push a ton of research that's relevant to recovery and, um, and building strength and, and things like that. So I, I try to be, you know, uh, push, push all the latest and greatest, um, on, on that platform. Uh, but yeah, whoop.com is, is awesome. The locker, lots of great content there. Awesome. Kristen, thanks so much for joining us and uh, have a, a great rest of your, I mean, we're, we're recording this in the afternoon, but I feel like I need to say have a great evening, sleep well after this. So have a nice one. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs>